Hey everybody, what you are about to listen to is an episode of Am I Dying? Here at Offscript, we've taken the Am I Dying show, put a twist on it, and created the new Is It Serious podcast with Dr. Mark Lewis and Dr. Jean-Luc Neptune. Think of it this way. The Am I Dying docs discuss lots of symptoms, while the Is It Serious docs answer lots of questions. And all of the episodes are here on this feed for your listening pleasure. For new episodes, don't forget to subscribe, and thanks for listening. Hey, Chris, 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 I have a question After for you. these messages, we'll be right back. So starting this weekend, I'm not getting a lot of texts on my phone. Sometimes they come, sometimes they don't. So I went to the Verizon store. They had no clue what the problem was. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, is it possible that people aren't texting you because they don't like you? No, 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 no. Like all of a sudden, I'll get like 30 texts at once. Oh, Isn't that weird? No. Usually that's when you don't have reception, then you suddenly do. But why would it all of a sudden be in my apartment? Mm, I don't know. All right, Mark, you ready? I was born ready. No, you weren't. <laughs> you don't even know what that means. From Offscript Media, this is Am I Dying? A conversational podcast about your symptoms and what to do next. I'm Dr. Chris Kelly. And I'm Dr. Mark Eisenberg. We're doctors who just happen to be close friends, and we're ready to answer the vital question. Should you chill out or freak out? Hey everyone, today we're going to be talking about a topic that comes up pretty often uh, with my younger patients, and that is what you should do if you have a strong family history of heart disease. You know, let's say one or both of your parents had a heart attack, you're worried about your own risk, not really sure what you can do to measure that risk or reduce that risk. Uh, and so, you know, you go to a doctor to get it checked out. So we're going to talk about that topic today, uh, talk about our approach to that situation. You know, what exactly is a significant risk of, of, of heart disease based on your family history and, and how you can reckon with it? Sound good, Mark? Yep. It's all about the family, but it's not just your parents. People worry they have a grandparent who died early or an uncle or an aunt so, or a sibling, God forbid. Right. Yeah. So let me just start by saying that cardiovascular disease is the number one cause of death among Americans. So everyone's going to have some relative who died of heart disease or had heart disease. That's just an indicator of how common and prevalent it is. So given that reality, how can we think about when this is actually abnormal and when your family history is actually more risky and abnormal than the average family? Mark, how do you think about that? Agree. Well, you know, the other thing is, you know, on half the death certificates, it said, you know, died of a heart attack when it could have been six other things that finally led to the heart attack. Yeah. So a lot of people think, oh, you know, we don't know why somebody died, but it could have been a heart attack. But clearly, there's no reason to panic if you have a parent or a grandparent who has heart disease at an early age. You know, hopefully a lot of this could be preventable in you. But what Chris is trying to say is we need everyone needs to risk stratify themselves. And, you know, some people need to be watched and possibly treated you know, with risk factors much sooner than others. The way I think about this is uh, if you have a parent or sibling uh, or some other cl close family member, but ideally a first degree family member, and they developed heart disease uh, before the age of 55, if they're a man or 65, if they're a woman. And by heart disease, I mean a heart attack or needed a stent or needed heart bypass surgery, uh, then that is abnormal and that needs to be checked out. Other things though that are worthy of being checked out is anyone who is diagnosed with heart failure, uh, really at any age, like I guess less than 65 or so, uh, anyone that had uh, a certain 
abnormalities in the structure of a heart valve or in the structure of the heart, um, if you had that in either of your parents or one of your siblings, that that is something that potentially could be genetically mediated and carried to you and and should be checked out. So th those are the people who have a history that needs to worry need to be worried a little bit. Again, heart a heart attack, stent, bypass surgery in a parent or sibling, um, fifty five or younger for uh, a man or 65 or younger for a woman or a history of an abnormal heart structure abnormal heart valve structure or heart failure before the age of 65. and one step further you know uh if you have a family history and i'm including cousins possibly distant relatives of sudden cardiac death at a young age so not just your parents or your siblings or uncles and aunts but like a cousin or a second cousin with sudden death at a young age that also should alert you to seek medical attention because you hear about all these young athletes, you know, they're playing sports and they drop dead. So the biggest risk factor for people with that is having a family history of sudden death at a young age. Would you say that, Chris? Yeah. And I, th I think that the sudden death um, is a very important thing and it shouldn't just be sudden death from heart disease because we don't always know that it was the heart disease, but I'll ask people, you know, did anyone die in an unexplained circumstance or accident at a young age because you can have a, a cardiac arrest from heart disease and crash your car or drown or any number of things and That's so true. i specifically ask about people getting into traffic accidents or drowning um, because those can be you know caused by an undiagnosed heart problem yeah and what do you call young age like before the age of 40 would you say 40, 50, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, uh, I especially think, like if you have a distant cousin or something who died while playing sports at age 24. Well, that's you know, really concerning. That's very concerning. And you yeah. should be hopefully, hopefully your pediatrician, this should start when you're in your teens, should be screening you. Yeah, I mean, that's not subtle. If somebody drops dead playing basketball, that's that's a major problem. But there's other things, you know, if you say, yeah, you know, I had a sister who drowned, you know, that it might sound like a horrible tragedy and it is, but there might be more to that than you think. Um, so, th so those are the family history things that get our antenna up and uh, should should do the same for you. So then the question becomes, what should you do about it? Yeah. One other thing. So I have people coming to the office who are like, you know, I have a family history of a heart attack. My grandfather had one at age 87 while he was smoking. Well, that doesn't count because he's over the age of 65, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that does not meet any of the criteria we listed earlier. So... Um, so that doesn't matter. That's common. I mean, you know, like I said, heart disease is the most common cause of death. So having a grandparent but have that, it in their that 80s. Does not, is, what Chris is trying to say, that doesn't put anyone at increased risk of you yourself having a heart attack. Yeah, that's just being a human in Western society. Um, okay, so so let's say you have one of those historical family things that are a little suspicious. So a couple things that we can do. Number one, um, first, we have to try to figure out what heart disease we're worried about, right? Yeah, so exactly. if somebody had an early onset heart stent or bypass or heart attack, then what we're worried about is something called coronary heart disease, meaning plaque in the arteries on the heart that can lead to a heart attack. Yeah, also, so, called, also called atherosclerosis. Exactly. So, so that that can be hereditary, and um, there's a lot of genetic risk factors for that that we don't understand so well. Sometimes that genetic risk comes through because you have genetically high blood pressure or genetically high cholesterol, and those things, you know, can in turn cause premature plaque in the arteries. But sometimes, you know, your cholesterol and blood pressure look fine, but you're still at increased risk, and that's you know genetic issues that we just don't understand that well yet. I'd say we probably know about. 
50% of the real risks for early heart disease. So if you have a, a close family member who had early onset plaque in the arteries or the consequences thereof, uh, you should see a doctor, get your blood pressure checked, get your cholesterol checked, get screened for diabetes, basically looking at all the usual risk factors for that kind of thing and, and see if you have any of those. Now, let's say uh, you know those are abnormal or borderline abnormal. You should be more aggressive than the average person about treating those to lower your risk. Exactly. You know, if you look at our, uh, you know, the cardio, there's something called the cardiovascular risk calculator, which we've talked about in some of the other podcasts with cholesterol treatment. You know, that takes into account blood pressure, your sex, whether you're, uh, you know, white or African-American and your, you know, your actual numbers, uh, that doesn't include whether you have a family history of heart disease. So for people who actually have a family history of heart disease, you're kind of in a different boat. And what if you're not having any sex, Mark? Does that increase your risk? <laughs> well, it's a good form of exercise. So, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so treat any risk factor that you can. And, and then if you don't really have any obvious risk factors, and it seems like by all, you know, the usual measures you're doing just fine, uh, then there's a couple other things that we can look at. Um, one of the things that I look at that's an additional risk marker is something called a lipoprotein A level. Um, that is a sort of special cholesterol test not done as part of the regular cholesterol test. And sometimes people have really good normal cholesterol panels, but then we check this lipoprotein A, aka LP little a, and it's off the charts. And that's somebody um, who should probably be on a statin because you know that can catch up with you. Uh, another thing that uh, I do pretty often with my patients is calcium scoring. Yeah. So, do you order many of those, Mark? No. Uh, I think there's, Chris is talking about a calcium score, which is actually a pretty quick test. It's sort of like a CAT scan that looks at uh, the calcium in the arteries, right? Uh, and it can sort of, you could assume how much plaque there is from that. Um, it's actually considered fairly low radiation, wouldn't you say, Chris? Very low radiation test. And the thing I love about that is that it's not looking at a risk factor per se. It's looking at, is there plaque in your arteries exactly. or not? Exactly. So if you already have high cholesterol or you're going to go on a cholesterol medication anyway, then I don't really find the utility of that. No, definitely that, not. But that's why I don't order that many of them. But it's actually perfect for somebody who actually you're trying to decide if there's these other possibilities that are causing plaque and whether they should be treated for plaque, even if their cholesterol is good. So in other words, if you have great cholesterol that a doctor normally wouldn't start a statin on, but you have plaque on your CAT scan, on your calcium score, then you should, it would change management, you should be started on a medication. Right. Because I mean, the, the presence of calcium, a high calcium score indicates that your body is making plaque, even though by the usual numbers, you look good. So, you know, we can't change your genetics, but we do in those situations want to get more aggressive than usual about cholesterol and blood pressure. And, you know, as Mark said, numbers that we might not treat in the average person, we would treat in you, you know, if we know that you're already making plaque and we need to do whatever we can to reduce that risk. So that, that being said, there's a lot of people who get a baseline with that, which is reasonable before treatment and then they want follow-ups every year and there's really if you no, don't have do plaque that. there you don't really need to ever get that test again there's no data that shows that that's after the first test it's useful if the first test shows calcium very few situations if any where a person should have more than one calcium score in their life <laughs> exactly but some doctors <laughs> actually order it all the time um i mean 
you know, maybe five, 10 years later, if you didn't start a blood pressure or cholesterol medicine after the first one, and now you're concerned, you can check it again. But yeah, yeah, I actually, I mean, look, the studies have been done with these calcium scores, but actually sometimes you take, do an ultrasound of someone's carotid arteries in their neck and it shows a little wall thickness and plaque. That also is then an indication that maybe they should be on a statin, even if their cholesterol is fine. I find these tests are sometimes useful for people to convince them to go on a statin. Those are also helpful. I don't think the data is quite as good for that as for calcium scoring, but... Um... But the truth is a lot of times people don't want to go on a medication, but if they actually see that their arteries have calcium on it or their walls and their arteries in the neck are thick, it actually motivates them, wow, I already have some damage. I need to actually be a little more aggressive than being theoretically trying yep. to take off medication. All right, it's time for a quick break. We will be right back. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thanks for staying with us. Now back to today's episode. So, you know, if you have a family history of plaque in your arteries um, and you look good by your conventional numbers and your calcium score, if you get one, is zero, your LP little a is, is normal, then you're in great shape. Then, you know, whatever genetic curse your family got, you didn't get it and you don't have to really worry about it anymore, you know, at least not more than the average person. And it's always great when I can tell a patient that, you know, even though they've been stressing about their family history for so many years that they seem fine and there's no evidence you know that they're going to drop dead of a heart attack anytime in the near future that it's it's always nice to be able to say that to someone because they're always really relieved so we talked about a couple other um causes other types of heart disease that can be passed through the generations you know abnormal heart structures abnormal heart valves electrical problems those are a little simpler you know if you have a family member who had abnormal heart structure or heart failure or died suddenly at a young age unexplained Really, the two things that you should get in that situation, other than a history and physical, are an EKG, which is just an electrical test. You know, we put stickers on the chest, it takes five minutes, um, and an ultrasound of your heart, just looking at the size, function, structure. And if those are normal, vast majority of patients, you're fine. You don't ever have to worry about anything. You know, if depending on how young you are, you might need to get rescreened later down the road, but that's pretty much all you need to do. And it's very easy. You agree with that, Mark? Totally. It's important for you to also, when you go see your doctor, knowing other issues the family member had. So they're like, my uncle or my father had a heart attack at age 51, but he smoked for 20 years. So yeah. again, it's important for your doctor to also realize that you know the person might have actually been a smoker, which obviously is putting them at a higher risk than it might put you if you're not a smoker. Yeah, for sure. Also, if you have a family history of sudden death, your doctor might recommend you have genetic testing. You've sent people for genetic testing, right, Chris? Yeah, so I do a lot of genetic testing in my office. Um, basically, the the thinking there is that you want to try to do genetic testing 
obviously you can't do genetic testing on somebody who died, but if you if you have somebody in the family who has an active heart problem, yeah. you want to test them and see if you can identify what they have, and then you can screen family members for that. Exactly. Blind genetic testing of people who are relatives of someone with heart disease is tough um, because you may find things and you're not really sure if they're relevant or not. Um, you know, what we prefer to do is identify the mutation in the original person and then look for it in everyone else. Um, but, you know, if they died suddenly, that's not always possible. Um, and, you know, if we're really concerned, we can do genetic testing on, on the person uh, who's concerned about their own risk, even if their heart uh, seems normal, you know, on, on other tests. But yeah. I, I will say not all cardiologists are doing that. No, but I mean, it's useful for certain populations of people. If you have a family history of something called a hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, where certain people in your family have a thick wall of your heart, or you actually have a thick wall of your heart, it's actually possibly useful uh, in helping decide whether you might need one of those machines, I call a pacemaker defibrillator, to protect you. So for certain populations, it's useful to do genetic testing. There's nothing so scary about it. Uh, usually it's spitting in a cup right and yeah. send that away or sometimes get a little blood test and they're only testing you for specific stuff that they're looking for they're not testing for like 60 other things and it's not going to go to the government and they're going to find out things about you like you know yeah i mean the only thing i'll say about that is that you know that being a good example hypertrophic cardiomyopathy you know only about two-thirds of people who have it have an identifiable genetic mutation that's true um, but if they so find the one it's useful Right. Again, the best situation is for the person who, who is known to have the disease to have the genetic testing and show that they have a certain mutation and then look for it in other people because you could have some random mutation, you know, in something that is associated with that, but may never cause it in you. And then freak um, you out. <laughs> and then freak you out. And it's actually not the gene that your family member had that caused it. Exactly. So it, it can get complicated. Um, it's unfortunately, there's rarely a simple genetic answer to a lot of these questions. A lot of these diseases are caused by problems in many different genes. And having the mutation doesn't guarantee that you'll get the disease. Not having a mutation also doesn't guarantee that you won't get the disease. So it can get complicated. But you know, in the appropriate setting, genetic testing can be really helpful. And in some cases, a negative genetic test is enough for you to never have to worry about that again. That's, you know, again, when your family member who does have the disease has a specific mutation and you are shown not to have it, that's when you get the real green light. Exactly. Um, so ask your doctor about, you know, the role of genetic testing. It's definitely becoming more common among cardiologists. Like I said, I do a lot of it and it's, it's uh, becoming more popular. All right, so uh, hope this is helpful. You know, uh, all of us have some history of heart disease in the family, but I hope this episode kind of clarified which kinds of heart disease are more worrisome, uh, which histories we get a little more worried about, and what you can do about it to reduce your own risks so that, you know, you can enjoy your life and not worry that the family curse is going to come and get you. Obviously, if you have any concerns about your family history and your risk, uh, speak to your doctor about that. And um, feel free to check out some of our other podcasts on heart disease and our book. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Am I Dying is a production of Offscript Media. Our executive producer is Matthew Zachary. Andrew McDowell is our senior producer. Darren Tun is our production intern. Am I Dying is recorded, mixed, and edited by Ariel Nachman. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments and feedback. For more information, visit Offscript. Hi. 
How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.